0: Hello Libby, I'm back to read to you again, but um, before I do that, I have things to say. Uh, first of all, first of all, first of all, shout out, shout out to my, my Swedish friend Pollux. I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing that because I don't know how to say words, but you know when I saw the name I thought instantly, Hunger Games, there's a character in the Hunger Games books with the very same name. How interesting. I don't know. That's where my brain went. Um, anyway. <clears throat> so, yeah. I... Yai yai. I feel ever more like I'm failing to record my voice <laughs> properly for you. <laughs> I feel unequipped. I mean, I'm equipped. I'm just ill-informed. I could inform... Import... I've watched videos. I just... It's not clicking. It's not clicking for me. I don't know how to do. How do? How do record thing and make things sound pleasant to listen to? You know, as pleasant as you can, given the circumstances. So, I don't know. I'm sorry. I'm really sorry if you have to, like, turn your volume up super loud or if you have to turn it down really low. I don't know what's going on. I'm really sorry. I I need a lesson. I need a toot. A tutorial I need an interactive tutorial maybe with someone who can help me anyway 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 I had a thought I was wondering is there and I probably could ask the internet but I was just thinking of it so I'm going to ask you is there a word okay there's okay so the word oh oh boy what have I done I'm so sorry what if I move the microphone over here does that make a difference I don't know I feel like that made maybe made a difference Perhaps, sure. Why not? Okay. Anyway, okay, okay. Is there a word? So there's a word for potential. Sure, you have potential. But what about, maybe there's a physics word for like potential that maybe hasn't expired, but also, do you know what I mean? Like, you've already succeeded improving your potential, and yet you still have potential. I don't know. That's the word I want to use to describe you, Lib. Because you have potential for greatness, and I think you're great already. You've done great things, but you could still be great. You could continue to be great and greater and greater. And so that's what I wanted to say, but I don't know what the word is. And I can't say you have great potential because that I feel like assumes that you haven't lived up to your potential. And I I wouldn't say that's true. I mean, I don't know. Maybe that's the whole point is that you, oh, what am I doing? I have no idea. I have no idea. So, okay, I'm so sorry. I am, a, am a dope, if you know. You know, I'm a dope. Um, but anyway, I was just thinking about that. You sweet, beautiful friend of mine. So happy to read to you. Um, and, um, Mm, what else do I have to say? <laughs> okay. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll give you the work juice because what else? I mean, you know what I mean. That's the only thing that happened in my life because Jared is always doing other things, and that's fine. I love it for him, but uh, he's got his own schedule, and frequently I'm not involved in the schedule. Like I'm not spending that his time with him. <laughs> anyway. Okay. So work. Today's Wednesday, the sixth of April. I feel like today is Becca's birthday, but no, maybe I should look it up. I don't want to activate my Facebook. I don't. Maybe Snapchat will tell me. Okay. Uh, anyway, if it is, happy birthday. <laughs> I don't know that you'll ever listen, but whatever. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's Wednesday, my dudes. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, that means that today we had retro. So, I, naturally, on Wednesdays, I get lunch with Jared at Fazolis, so we went to Fazolis, and we had a little lunch date. He came pick me up, he brought me the fagoo, he brought me bake. I don't know why I called it that. I don't know. Don't listen to me. I, oh, my mouth's so dry. Um, then I had a retro. Okay, so Aaron and Zach were both in the office. So it was the three of us in a meeting room. And... In addition to that, we were on the phone with people, so... Hmm. Excuse me while I slurp. Why am I putting the cap on? Like, I'm not going to take another slurp. I don't want to spill it, but i got to take the risk. It's worth it. Uh, <laughs> um. Okay, it came up at the end of Retro because we didn't have anything else to talk about, so we did our personality test. I was like, yes, I'm living for this. Thank you. You know what I mean? Some people's... and. <clears throat> I told Zach, I asked Zach to do it. I feel like I told you this. Anyway, then we had like 10 minutes left and then Scott thought, thinking that everyone had already done it, started doing it. But in fact, Aaron had not yet started doing it either. So it was a great little situation where Scott, feeling guilty he had not done it, started doing it. And Aaron, thinking, what else better do I have to do than this, started doing it. And then everyone was doing it and I'm like, yes, yes, yes. And then I'm reading and I'm just like, yes, this explains you. This explains me. <laughs> so then I was reading and okay, this is not the first time I've taken this personality test but and read this assessment. And I know it's very general and it fits a lot of people, but some of the words just rang so true to me And I have to read it to you, okay? So there's a... So the personality test I took is 16personalities.com. 16 is in 1-6. And there's a section on it called Workplace Habits. And you can read about it. Like, okay, so there's a section about architect. So that's my personality type. Allegedly, I am an INTJ. And... So it's, whatever, their na- their cute name for it is architect. And so, architect subordinates, which is me because I'm not a manager. Architects are known for their independence. Their worst nightmare would be a micromanaging boss who monopolizes their time with pointless meetings, insists on useless rules, or appraises employees' inform- per- <laughs> performance based on how likable they seem rather than their actual merits. I feel that nothing has summed me up so hard and fast when it comes to my career being an architect subordinate. I fear, I'm telling you, like, is it was it not just a few years ago that I got fired for the way that I am, and I came and visited you and, like, basically cried to you about how <laughs> I am away, and they basically didn't like it even though I'm totally good at my job, and they fired me, in my opinion. In my assessment. And this frickin' personality test just just pushed that dagger further, if you know what I mean. (laughs) Okay. Anyway. Annie. Oh my god. Oh wow, I just looked at the infographic. Guess what the infographic says. Even in entry-level jobs, architect personalities may chafe at anyone who tries to limit their freedom. What? Bro. I felt chafed. All right. Anyway, so that's what it says. Now, I would also like to see this. There's a section architect colleagues. This sentence summarizes my feelings about our meetings that I feel I have already friggin expressed to you. I'm going to read it to you. Even a brainstorming session, normally a delight for architects, can become tedious if it just goes in circles without leading to clear action. Bro, is that what I'm not always complaining about? What are we doing? Why are we just talking around? Why aren't we making decisions? Writing things down? I don't understand. Anyway, ooh, another infographic. This one doesn't have an actual infographic, it's just a little note. In purple, most architects would rather work alone than be slowed down by a pleasant but unfocused co worker. Darn Tatum, my dude. Darn titan okay? I'm. This freaking thing's got me. It pinned me down. It pinned me right down to the table. I'm just like, you got me, dude. You've seen it, and now there's evidence. Not evidence. I also, maybe it's also because that's how I see myself. I wonder if it's a self-fulfilling prophecy, but I don't know. I just feel like, how well does that summarize my, my, the way that I am and my struggles as such? Anyway, okay i'm gonna keep i'm gonna keep reading i'm gonna keep reading this book to you until i'm done with it and then i'm gonna read another one to you okay i love doing it and it delights me if you love listening that delights me it's pure delight if you don't like if you don't like listening (laughs) that also kind of delights me because that means you listen and you don't like it which means you waste your time Just kidding. It's not a waste. Of, I guess it's not a waste of time because then you learn that you don't like it. But then you probably wouldn't be listening right now on chapter 32 of chapter 30, of 36 chapters, you know? Okay, but anyway, I'm just talking like statistically, but whatever. Um, anyway, I'm actually going to read it, but first I need to take another swig because my mouth's out dry. What chapter are we at? Oh, 31. Sorry. Sorry, sorry. The book fell open to the chapter 32. It's chapter Oh, shoot. Things are getting hot. It's chapter 31. It's the Battle of Hogwarts. slurp de doop. Okay. Chapter 31 of Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows by J.K. Rowling. Not me. I ain't writing. It wasn't me. I'm not. me i am not ai am not a creative writer. But I am a creative reader because I struggle. (laughs) What makes it better? That's how you... That's how you... <laughs> you know what? Honestly, how... I don't know. I, sh- I need to be more creative. Ooh, shoot. I don't know if I mentioned this to you, but... In a couple of weeks, I have to lead Bible. Bible study? I'm very scared. It's about crea- creating, I think. I think I can do it. I just... I really need to not forget to read the book ahead of time and prepare. Because I'm to be the leader. But think I can do it. Okay. Everyone else is reading the book. They know what's going on. All I have to do is be like, this question that's written over here, did you, what did you think about these chapters? But it'll be okay. Anyway, okay. Okay, okay. Enough about being creative. Enough about being a whatever, an architect, or whatever your, whatever my personality actually is. I don't know. Whatever. Chapter 31, The Battle of Hogwarts. Oh, things are all to get even more painful, more painful than they've ever been. But this chapter art is very, very light. You know, it contrasts. I feel like it's interesting to note because it does contrast the previous dark chapter arts. Okay. It is still shaded drawing, but it is light and it looks vaguely ghost-like. I don't know. It's like Loki an apparition. Or maybe like a pensive... A pensive. Pen- pensive. Of course. Pensive. I don't know. Oh my gosh. I don't know. Words are hard. Okay, I'm getting distracted. But the, the chapter art is a woman. And she is floating. Uh, presumably. I don't know. Can't see her feet. Her robes are like flowing... Um, you know, away like as if the wind is blowing them except she looks like a low-key, she's like floating around. And so she's wearing I don't know what these are. A dress. It's like a robes, but it's like a you know, it's like an old timey dress and there's, like, really long sleeves. She's got really long sleeves. And they're very, like, drapey and swoopy. And everything's, like, swoopy. And she's got, like, this collar and this, like, brooch thing. And then it's, like, a baby doll. <laughs> baby doll. It's, like, an empire waist. Okay. I know you can hear... I'm sorry. I'm acting this out. And you probably can hear me touching. <laughs> As I explained. Like, you can see me. But you can't. Um, and her long hair is kind of wispy and light and she's got, she's got a fringe. It's, a, it's a middle part. And it's like a side bang thing. And she's wearing some dangly earrings. And she's, I don't know. The face, the, the face, her the look on her face is just, I don't know, I guess thoughtful. But behind her is a window, like an arched window, like a shadow of an arched window. It's just all, everything looks very hazy. Okay, here we go the enchanted ceiling of the great hall was dark and scattered with stars, and below it the four long house tables were lined with disheveled students, some in traveling cloaks, others in dressing gowns. Here and there shone the pearly white figures of the school ghosts. Every eye, living and dead, was fixed upon Professor McGonagall, who was speaking from the raised platform at the top of the hall. Behind her stood the remaining teachers, including the Palomino Centaur, fit ends palomino i know it's like a kind of horse but i don't know what kind of image to conjure because is it a brown horse with like black feet and it kind of like fades up is that a thing i don't know i mean i don't know that's the best image my mind's eye can draw of a horse is that a palomino i should just i should just google it never mind he's a palomino okay if you know what that is then you fancy i'm <laughs> just kidding you know things about horses, I guess. Anyway, Tina would know. And if we could only reach out to Tina. <laughs> yes, the fictional Bob Sprueger's character. Yes, Libby. That's who I'm talking about. Tina. My, my, I don't know. I love her. But sometimes I'm like, am I her or am I Moreland? I can never tell. Anyway, okay. <laughs> Pelomy, okay. This is how I get sidetracked. We're not even... I'm... I don't apologize, Libby. I don't apologize at all, because I can only hope that my side-diversions are delightful for you instead of annoying. (laughs) Okay. Anyway. Behind her stood the remaining teachers, including the Palomino Centaur, Fidens, and the members of the Order of the Phoenix who had arrived to fight. Evacuation will be overseen by Mr. Filch and Madame Pomfrey. Prefects, when I give the word, you will organize your house and take your charges in an orderly fashion to the evacuation point. Many of the students looked petrified. However, as Harry skirted the walls scanning the Gryffindor table for Ron and Hermione, Ernie McMillan stood up at the Hufflepuff table and shouted, And what if we want to stay and fight? There was a smattering of applause. Yeah! <laughs> what is- If you are of age, you may stay, said Professor McGonagall. What about our things? Called a girl at the Ravenclaw table. Our trunks, our owls. We have no time to collect possessions, said Professor McGonagall. The important thing is to get you out of here safely. Where's Professor Snape? Shouted a girl from the Slytherin table. He has, to use the common phrase, done a bunk. (laughs) That's a common phrase, not a me. Done a bunk. Is that like taking a shit, or is that like going a wall, or I don't know what this means, Dunabunk? It's not Stop comment to me. <laughs> How dare you say that? <clears throat> Replied Professor McGonagall, and a great cheer erupted from the Gryffindors, Hufflepuffs, and Ravenclaws. Harry moved up the hall alongside. "'The Gryffindor table, still looking for Ron and Hermione. "'As he passed, faces turned in his direction, "'and a great deal of whispering broke out in his wake. "'We have already placed protection around the castle,' "'Professor McGonagall was saying, "'but it is unlikely to hold for very long unless we reinforce it. "'I must ask you, therefore, to move quickly and calmly "'and do as your prefects.' "'But her final words were drowned as a different voice "'echoed throughout the hall.' It was high, cold, and clear. There was no telling where it came from. It seemed to issue from the walls themselves like the monster it had once commanded. It might have lain dormant there for centuries. I know that you are preparing to fight. There were screams amongst the students, some of whom clutched each other, looking around in terror for the source of the sound. Your efforts are futile. You cannot fight me. I do not want to kill you. I have great respect for the teachers of Hogwarts. I do not want to spill magical blood. There was silence in the hall now, the kind of silence that presses against the eardrums, that seems too huge to be contained by walls. Give me Harry Potter, said Voldemort's voice, and none shall be harmed. Give me Harry Potter, and I shall leave the school untouched. Give me Harry Potter and you will be rewarded. You have until midnight. The science... The science. No, it doesn't say that. In fact, it says the silence swallowed them all again. Every head turned. Every eye in the place seemed to have found Harry to hold him frozen to... Yeah, mm -hmm, sure. Oh, yeah. mm -hmm, To hold him frozen in the glare of thousands of invisible beams. Little beams, like X-ray beams from Superman's eyeballs, except they don't burn. They freeze you. (laughs) Right, is that what you're saying? Then a figure rose from the Slytherin table, and he recognized Penzi Parkinson as she raised a shaking arm and screamed. But he's there! Potter's there! Someone grab him! Before Harry could speak, hello, Scooby-Dooby. Oh, goodbye, Scooby-Dooby. It's 518. He's got plenty of... Plenty of... (laughs) Anyway, where was I? Now, Pansy Parkinson's But he's there! Potter's there! Someone grab him! Before Harry could speak, there was a massive movement. The Gryffindors in front of him had risen and stood facing not Harry, but the Slytherins. Then the Hufflepuffs... Hufflepuffs stood, and almost at the same moment, the Ravenclaws, all of them with their backs to Harry... All of them, looking toward Pansy instead, and Harry, awestruck and overwhelmed, saw wands emerging everywhere, pulled from beneath cloaks and from under sleeves. Ooh, I have the chills, and I don't know if it's because it's cold or if it's because... Oh, spooky. Thank you, Miss Parkinson, said Professor McGonagall in a clipped voice. You will leave the hall first with Mr. Filch. If the rest of your house could follow... "'Harry heard the grinding of benches "'and then the sound of the Slytherins "'trooping out on the other side of the hall. "'Ravenclaws, follow on!' cried Professor McGonagall. "'Slowly, the four tables emptied. "'The Slytherin table was completely deserted, "'but a number of older Ravenclaws remained seated "'while their fellows filed out. "'Even more Hufflepuffs stayed behind, "'and half of Gryffindor remained in their seats.' necessitating Professor McGonagall's descent from the teacher's platform to shivvy the underage on their way. Absolutely. Hi, baby boy. Okay. Yes, my dear. You can come up here. I know. Okay. Hey, baby. (laughs) Okay, now don't get in the way of my reading, boy. Boy. (laughs) Okay, I'm gonna move. Oh, does that sound better? Oh my god, I don't know how to use a microphone. Is this how I'm supposed to use it? Is this how I'm supposed to use it? I have no clue. I have no freaking clue. Where am I supposed to point the thing? I don't know how to point the thing. Okay, anyway. So sorry. <laughs> okay, where was I? Where was I? Thank you, Miss Pokemon. Jelly strong Yes. Yes. Okay, Scooty, you need to like figure it out. Figure it out. Figure it out, buddy. Figure it out. Lay down something. Okay. Absolutely not. Creevy, go. And you, Peaks. Harry hurried over to the Weasleys, all sitting all sitting together at the Gryffindor table. Where are Ron and Hermione? Haven't you found, began Mr. Weasley, looking worried. But he broke off as Kingsley had stepped forward on the raised platform to address those who had remained behind. Wait, this is who? <laughs> Kingsley. Sorry. <laughs> Scooty is distracting me. We've only got half an hour until midnight, so we need to act fast. A battle plan has been agreed between the teachers of Hogwarts and the Order of the Phoenix. Professors Flitwick, Sprout, and McGonagall are going to take groups of fighters out up to the three highest towers, Ravenclaw, Astronomy, and Gryffindor, where they'll have a good overview, excellent positions from which to work spells. Meanwhile, Remus, he indicated Lupin, "'Arthur,' he pointed toward Mr. Weasley, sitting at the Gryffindor table, "'and I will take groups into the grounds. "'We'll need somebody to organize defense of the entrances of the passageways into the school.' "'Sounds like a job for us,' called Fred, indicating himself and George, "'and Kingsley nodded his approval. "'All right, leaders up here, and we'll divide up the troops.' "'Potter,' said Professor McGonagall, hurrying up to him, "'as students flooded the platform, jostling for position, receiving instructions.' "'Aren't you supposed to be looking for something?' "'What? Oh! Oh, yeah!' "'He had almost forgotten about the Horcrux, "'almost forgotten that the battle was being fought "'so that he could search for it. "'The inexplicable absence of Ron and Hermione "'had momentarily driven every other thought from his mind. "'Then go, Potter, go!' "'Right, yeah!' "'He sensed eyes following him "'as he ran out of the great hall again "'into the entrance hall still crowded with evacuating students.' He followed himself to be swept up the. Mar- he followed. What am I saying? Okay, I need to take a <laughs> mm-hmm. He allowed himself to be swept up the marble staircase with them, but at the top, he hurried off along a deserted corridor. Fear and panic were clouding his thought processes. He tried to calm himself, to concentrate on finding the horcrux. But his thoughts buzzed as frantically and fruitlessly as wasps trapped beneath a glass. Without Ron and Hermione to help him, he could not seem to marshal his ideas. He slowed down, coming to a halt halfway along an empty passage, where he sat down upon the plinth of a departed statue and pulled the Marauder's map out of his pouch around his neck. He could not see Ron's or Hermione's names anywhere on it, though the density of the crowd. Of dots now making its way to the room of requirement might he thought be concealing them, he put the map away, pressed his hands over his face and closed his eyes, trying to concentrate. Voldemort thought I'd go to Ravenclaw Tower. There it was, a solid fact, the place to start. Voldemort had ele- had what am I saying? Had stationed alecto caro in the Ravenclaw common room, and there could only be one explanation. Voldemort feared that Harry already knew his Horcrux was connected to that house. But the only object anyone seemed to associate with Ravenclaw was the lost, the lost, the lost, scooty, he's headbutting my arm, the lost diadem. And how could the Horcrux be the diadem? How was it possible that Voldemort, the Slytherin, had found the diadem that had eluded generations of Ravenclaws? Who could have told him where to look? when nobody had seen the diadem in living memory. In living memory. Beneath his fingers, Harry's eyes flew open again. Yeah, okay, his hands are on his eyes. Okay, okay, for sure. He leapt up from the plinth and tore back the way he had come, now in pursuit of his one last hope. The sound of hundreds of people marching toward the room of requirement grew louder and louder as he returned to the marble stairs, Prefects were shouting instructions, trying to keep track of the students in their own houses. There was much pushing and shoving. Harry saw Zacharias Smith bowling over first years to get to the front of the queue. Here and there, younger students were in tears, while older ones called desperately for friends or siblings. Harry caught sight of a pearly white figure drifting across the entrance hall below and yelled as loudly as he could over the clamor. "'Nick!' "'Nick! I need to talk to you!' "'He forced his way back through the tide of students, "'finally reaching the bottom of the stairs "'where nearly-headless Nick, ghost of Gryffindor Tower, "'stood waiting for him. "'Harry, my dear boy!' "'Nick made to grasp Harry's hand with both of his own. "'Harry's felt as though he had been thrust into icy water. "'Nick, you've got to help me. "'Who's the ghost of Ravenclaw Tower?' "'Nearly-headless Nick looked surprised and a little offended.' the gray lady of course but if it is ghostly services you require it's got to be her do you know where she is let's see Nick's head wobbled a little on his ruff as he turned hither and thither okay I'm, I'm gonna give you I before I finish the sentence I'm gonna well I'm gonna reread the sentence probably but anyway Jared was telling me tonight when we had lunch this is what we're talking about lunch he is of course taking this EMT course And he was talking to me about the result of a um, motorcycle accident to the passenger of the motorcycle accident of the motorcycle, and was wearing a helmet, and their head was like basically decapitated, but just like like kind of like hanging on by a thread. I don't know, like you know what I mean? Like, and I was like, and then I, I instead of I could only think of nearly headless neck, so. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that's what I did. But that's what I'm telling you, I what I instantly thought of. So, here we go. Nick's head wobbled a little on his ruff as he turned hither and thither, peering over the heads of the swarming students. That's her over there, Harry. The young woman with the long hair. Harry looked in the direction of Nick's transparent, pointing finger, and saw a tall ghost who caught sight of Harry looking at her. Scootie. Are you doing okay well you can't be right there hello I'm trying to read whoop okay <laughs> sorry um here looked in the direction of Nick's. triple boo bo- 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 ba- yes 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 she's drifting looking at her. raise her eye ho- ba- do- ho- ba- do- wait I'm gonna start over again. <laughs> Harry looked in the direction of Nick's transparent pointing finger and saw a tall ghost who caught sight of Harry looking at her, raised her eyebrows, and drifted away through a solid wall. Harry ran after her. Once through the door of the corridor into which she had disappeared, he saw her at the very end of the passage, still gliding smoothly away from him. Hey, wait, come back! She consented to pause, floating a few inches from the ground. Harry supposed that she was beautiful with her waist-length hair and floor-length cloak but she also looked haughty and proud close to he recognized her a what close to he recognized her as a ghost he had passed several times in the corridor but to whom he had never spoken you're the gray lady she nodded but did not speak the ghost of ravenclaw tower that is correct her tone was not encouraging please i need some help i need to know anything you can tell me about the lost diadem A cold smile curved her lips. I am afraid, she said, turning to leave, that I cannot help you. Wait! He had not meant to shout, but anger and panic were threatening to overwhelm him. He glanced at his watch as she hovered in front of him. It was a quarter to midnight. This is urgent, he said fiercely. If that diadem's at Hogwarts, I've got to find it fast. You are hardly the first student to covet the diadem, she said disdainfully. Generations of students have badgered me. This isn't about trying to get better marks, Harry shouted at her. It's about Voldemort, defeating Voldemort. Or aren't you interested in that? She could not blush, but her transparent cheeks became more opaque, and her voice was heated as she replied, Of course I... How dare you suggest... Well, help me then. Her composure was slipping. It... It is not a question of, she stammered, my mother's diadem. Your mother's? She looked angry with herself. When I lived, she said stiffly, I was Helena Ravenclaw. You're her daughter? But then you must know what happened to it. While the diadem bestows wisdom, she said with an obvious effort to to pull herself together, I doubt that it would greatly increase your chances of defeating the wizard who calls himself Lord... "'Haven't I just told you I'm not interested in wearing it?' "'Harry said fiercely. "'There's no time to explain. "'But if you care about Hogwarts, "'if you want to see Voldemort finished, "'you've got to tell me anything you know about the diadem.' "'She remained quite still. "'Goodbye, Scooty.' "'Floating in midair, staring down at him, "'and a sense of hope... Mm? "'So sorry. "'And a sense of hopelessness engulfed Harry. "'Of course, if she had known anything... She would have told Flitwick or Dumbledore, who had surely asked her the same question. He had shaken his head and made to turn away when she spoke in a low voice. I stole the diadem from my mother. You you did what? I stole the diadem, repeated Helena Ravenclaw in a whisper. I sought to make myself cleverer, more important than my mother. I ran away with it. He did not know how he had managed to gain her confidence, and did not ask. He simply listened, hard, as she went on. My mother, they say, never admitted that the diadem was gone, but pretended that she st- that she had it still. She concealed her loss, my dreadful betrayal, even from the other founders of Hogwarts. Then my mother fell ill, fatally ill. In spite of my perfidy... She was desperate to see me one more time. She sent a man who had long loved me, though I spurned his advances to find me. She knew that he would not rest until he had done so. Harry waited. She drew a deep breath and threw back her head. I'm going to move the microphone back. I feel like it sounded better over here. I'm just saying. I don't know. I have no idea. Maybe it doesn't sound different at all. Where was I now? <laughs> blah 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 she sent a man down and then she knew that he would not rest blah, blah, blah. <laughs> okay harry waited she drew a deep breath and threw back her head he tracked me to the forest where i was hiding when i refused to return with him he became violent the baron was always a hot-tempered man furious at my refusal jealous of my freedom he stabbed me the baron you mean the bloody baron yes said the gray lady and she lifted aside the cloak she wore to reveal a single dark wound on her white chest. When he saw what he had done, he was overcome with remorse. He took the weapon that had claimed my life and used it to kill himself. All these centuries later, he wears his chains as an act of penitence, as he should. (coughs) Sorry. As he should, she added bitterly. And, And the diadem? It remained where I had hidden it when I heard the baron blundering through the forest toward me, concealed inside a hollow tree. A hollow tree, repeated Harry. What tree? Where was this? A forest in Albania, a lonely place I thought was far beyond my mother's reach. Albania, repeated Harry. Sense was emerging miraculously from confusion, and now he understood why she was telling him what she had denied Dumbledore and Flitwick. You've already told someone this story, haven't you? Another student? She closed her eyes and nodded. I had no idea. He was flattering. He seemed to understand, to sympathize. Yes, Harry thought. Tom Riddle would certainly have understood Helena Ravenclaw's desire to possess fabulous objects to which she had little right. Well, you weren't the first person Riddle warmed things out of, Harry muttered. He could be charming when he wanted. But Voldemort had managed to wheedle the location of the lost diadem out of the Great Lady. The Grey Lady. He had traveled to that far-flung forest and retrieved the diadem from its hiding place, perhaps as soon as he left Hogwarts, before he even started work at Borgen and Burkes, And wouldn't those secluded Albanian woods have seemed an excellent refuge when, so much later, Voldemort had needed a place to lie low, undisturbed, for ten long years. But the diadem, once it became his precious horcrux, had not been left in that lowly tree, no. The diadem had been returned secretly to its true home, and Voldemort must have put it there. "'The night he asked for a job,' said Harry, finishing his thought. "'I beg your pardon?' "'He hid the diadem in the castle the night he asked Dumbledore to let him teach.' said Harry, saying it out loud and enabled him to make sense of it all. He must have hidden the diadem on his way up to or down from Dumbledore's office. But it was still worth trying to get the job. Then he might have got the chance to nick Gryffindor's sword as well. Thank you. Thanks. Harry left her floating there, looking utterly bewildered. As he rounded the corner back into the entrance hall, he checked his watch. It was five minutes until midnight. And though he now knew what The Last Horcrux was, he was no closer to discovering where it was. Generations of students had failed to find the diadem that suggested that it was not in Ravenclaw Tower. But if not there, where? What hiding place had Tom Riddle discovered inside Hogwarts Castle that he believed would remain secret forever? Lost in desperate speculation, Harry turned a corner, but he had taken only a few steps down the new corridor when the window to his left broke open with a deafening, shattering crash. As he leapt aside, a gigantic body flew in through the window and hit the opposite wall. Something large and furry detached itself, whimpering from the new arrival and flung itself at Harry. Hagrid! Harry bellowed, fighting off Fang the boarhound's attentions as the enormous bearded figure clambered to his feet. What the... "'Harry, you're here! You're here!' Hagrid stooped down, bestowed upon Harry a cursory and rib-cracking hug, then ran back to the shattered window. "'Good boy, Groppy!' he bellowed through the hole in the window. "'I'll see you in a moment. There's a good lad!' "'Beyond Hagrid, out in the dark night.'" (laughs) That sounded so weird, I feel like. Whatever. "'Harry saw bursts of light in the distance, and heard a weird, keening scream.'" He looked down at his watch. It was midnight. The battle had begun. "'Blimey, Harry,' panted Hagrid. "'This is it, eh? Huh? Time to fight? "'Hagrid, where have you come from?' "'Heard you-know-who've up in our cave,' said Hagrid grimly. "'Voice carried, didn't it? You got till midnight to Gimme Potter? "'Knew you must be here. Knew what must be happenin'. "'Get down, Fang. So we come to join in, me and Groppy and Fang.' "'Smashed our way through the boundary by the forest. "'Groppy was carrying us, Fang and me. "'Told him to let me down at the castle, "'so he shoved me through the window, God bless him. "'Not exactly what I meant, but where's Ron and Hermione?' "'That,' said Harry, "'is a really good question. Come on.' "'They hurried together into, along the corridor, Fang lolloping beside him. "'Harry could hear movement through the corridors all around. "'Running footsteps, shouts through the windows.' he could see more flashes of light in the dark grounds where are we going puffed hagrid pounding along as harry at harry's heels making the floorboards quake i don't know exactly said harry making another random turn but ron and hermione must be around here somewhere the first casualties of the battle were already strewn across the passage ahead the two stone gargoyles that usually guarded the entrance to the staff room had been smashed apart by a jinx that had sailed through another broken window. The remains stirred feebly on the floor, and as Harry leapt over one of their disembodied heads, it moaned faintly, "'Oh, don't mind me. I'll just lie here and crumble.' Its ugly stone face made Harry think suddenly of the marble bust of Rowena Ravenclaw at Xenophilius's house. Wearing that mad headdress, and then of the statue in Ravenclaw Tower, with the stone diadem upon her white corals. Corals! Her white corals! And as he reached the end of the passage, the memory of a third stone effigy came back to him, that of an ugly old warlock onto whose head Harry himself had placed a wig and a battered old tiara. The shock shot through Harry with the heat of fire whiskey, and he nearly stumbled. He knew, at last, where the horcrux sat waiting for him. Tom Riddle, who confided in no one and operated alone, might have been arrogant enough to assume that he, and only he, had penetrated the deepest mysteries of Hogwarts Castle. Of course, Dumbledore and Flitwick, those model pupils, had never set foot in that particular place, but he, Harry, had strayed off the beaten track in his time at school, Here at last was a secret he and Voldemort knew that Dumbledore had never discovered. He was roused by Professor Sprout, who was thundering past, followed by Neville and half a dozen others, all of them wearing earmuffs and carrying what appeared to be large potted plants. Mandrakes, Neville bellowed at Harry over his shoulder as he ran, going to lob them over the walls. They won't like this. Harry knew now where to go. He sped off with Hagrid and Fang galloping behind him. They passed the portrait. Af- they passed portrait after portrait, and the painted figures raced alongside them. Wizards and wi- wizards and witches in ruffs and breeches, excuse me, burp, in armor and cloaks, cramming themselves into each other's canvases, screaming news from other parts of the castle. As they reached the end of this corridor, the whole castle shook, and Harry knew as a gigantic vase blew off its plinth. Oh that's what a plant is. <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> With explosive force. That it was in the grip of enchantments more Ooh, yes, it was in the grip of enchantments more sinister than those of the teachers in the order. It's all right, Fang. It's all right. Yelled Hagrid, but the great boarhound had taken flight as slivers of china flew like shrapnel through the air, and Hagrid pounded off after the terrified dog, leaving Harry alone. Aw, poor thing! you should have left him, or let him go somewhere safe. Aw. He forged on through the trembling passages. His wand at the ready, and for the length of one corridor, the little painted knight, Sir Codigan, rushed from painting to painting beside him, clanking along in his armor, screaming encouragement, his fat little pony cantering behind him. braggarts and rogues! Dogs and scoundrels! Drive them out! Harry Potter, see them off! Harry hurtled around a corner and found Fred and a small knot of students, including Lee Jordan and Hannah Abbott, standing beside another empty plinth whose statue had concealed a secret passageway. Their wands were drawn, and they were listening at the concealed hole. "'Nice night for it!' "'Wait, what? I? I don't know what I'm saying. "'Nice night for it!' Fred shouted as the castle quaked again, and Harry sprinted by, elated and terrified in equal measure. Along yet another corridor he dashed, and then there were owls everywhere, and Mrs. Norris was hissing and trying to bat them with her paws, no doubt to return them to their proper place.' "'Potter!' Aberforth, Dumbledore, stood blocking the corridor ahead, his wand held ready. "'I have known hundreds of kids thundering through my pub, Potter. I know—oh, I have—I don't know what I said. I have hundreds of kids thundering through my pub, Potter.' "'I know, we're evacuating Harry he said. "'Voldemort's attacking because they haven't handed you over.' "'Yeah,' said Aberforth. "'I'm not deaf. The whole of Hogsmeade heard him.' And it never occurred to any of you to keep a few Slytherins hostage? There are kids of Death Eaters you've just sent to safety. Wouldn't it have been a bit smarter to keep them here? It wouldn't stop Voldemort, said Harry, and your brother would never have done it. Aberforth grunted and tore away in the opposite direction. Your brother would never have done it. Well, it was the truth, Harry thought, as he ran on again. Dumbledore, who had defended Snape for so long would never have held students' ransom. And then he skidded around a final corner, and with a yell of mingled relief and fury he saw them, Ron and Hermione, both with their arms full of large, curved, dirty yellow objects, Ron with a broomstick under his arm. "'Where the hell have you been?' Harry shouted. "'Chamber of Secrets!' said Ron. "'Chamber what?' said Harry, coming to an unsteady halt before them. It was Ron, all Ron's idea, said Hermione breathlessly. Wasn't it absolutely brilliant? There we were after you left. And I said to Ron, even if we find the other one, how are we going to get rid of it? He, We still hadn't got rid of the cop. And then he thought of it, the basilisk. What the? Something to get rid of horcruxes, said Ron simply. Oh, something to get rid of horcruxes, said Ron simply. Harry's eyes dropped to the objects clutched in Ron's and Hermione's arms. Great curved fangs. "'torn,' he now realized, "'from the skull of a dead basilisk. "'But how did you get in there?' he asked, "'staring from the fangs to Ron. "'You need to speak Parseltongue.' "'He did,' whispered Hermione. "'Show him, Ron.' "'Hermione... "'Why am I saying Hermione? "'It says Ron. "'Ron made a horrible, strangled hissing noise. "'It's what you did to open the locket,' "'he told Harry apologetically.' I had to have a few goes to get it right, but he shrugged modestly. We got there in the end. He was amazing, said Hermione. Amazing! So Harry was struggling to keep up. So so we're another Horcrux down, said Ron, and from from under his jacket he pulled the mangled remains of Hufflepuff's cup. Hermione stabbed it. Thought she should. She hasn't had the pleasure yet. Genius! Yelled Harry. It was nothing, said Ron, though he looked delighted with himself. So what's new with you? As he said it, there was an explosion from overhead. All three of them looked up as dust fell from the ceiling, and they heard a distant scream. I know what the diadem looks like, and I know where it is, said Harry, talking fast. He hid it exactly where I hid my old potions book, where everyone's been hiding stuff for centuries. He thought he was the only one to find it. Come on. As the walls trembled again, he led the other two back through the concealed entrance and down the staircase into the room of requirement. It was empty except for three women, Ginny, Tonks, and an elderly witch wearing a moth-eaten hat, whom Harry recognized immediately as Neville's grandmother. "'Ah, Potter!' she said crisply, as if she had been waiting for him. "'You can tell us what's going on.' "'Is everything okay?' said Ginny and Tonks together. together. "'As far as we know,' said Harry. "'Are there still people in the passage to the hog's head?' He knew that the room would not be able to transform while there were still users inside it. I was the last to come through, said Mrs. Longbottom. I sealed it. I think it unwise to leave it open now Aberforth has left his pub. Have you seen my grandson? He's fighting, said Harry. Naturally, said the old lady proudly. Excuse me, I must go and assist him. With surprising speed, she trotted off toward the stone steps. Harry looked at Tonks. I thought you were supposed to be with Teddy at your mother's. I couldn't stand not knowing. Tonks looked anguished. She'll look after him. Have you seen Remus? He was planning to lead a group of fighters into the grounds. Without another word, Tonks sped off. Ginny, said Harry. I'm sorry, but we need you to leave too, just for a bit. Then you can come back in. Ginny looked simply delighted to leave her sanctuary. And then you can come back in, he shouted ba- act- he shouted after her as she ran up the steps after Tonks. You've got to come back in. Hang on a moment, said Ron sharply. We've forgotten someone. Who? asked Hermione. The house elves. They'll all be down in the kitchen, won't they? You mean we ought to get them fighting? asked Harry. No, said Ron seriously. I mean we should tell them to get out. We don't want any more dobbies, do we? We can't order them to die for us. There was a clatter. That was like very good of Ron. Look at that character growth. I mean it's like impressively fast but it happened there was a clatter as the basilisk fangs cascaded out of Hermione's arms running at Ron she flung them around his neck and kissed running at Ron oh yeah that is, it says flung them Okay, sure. and kissed him full on the mouth Ron threw away the fangs and broomstick he was holding and responded with such enthusiasm that he lifted Hermione off her feet is this the moment Harry asked weakly and when nothing happened except that Ron and Hermione gripped each other still more firmly and swayed on the spot, he raised his voice. Oi! There's a war going on here! Ron and Hermione broke apart, their arms still around each other. I know, mate, said Ron, who looked as though he had recently been hit on the back of the head with a bludger. So it's now or never, isn't it? Never mind that. What about the Horcrux? Harry shouted. Do you think you j- Do you think you could just... just- Hold it in until we've got the diadem? Yeah, right. Sorry, said Ron. And he and Hermione set about gathering up fangs, both pink in the face. It was clear as the three of them stepped back into the corridor. Okay, I'm confused about how many fangs there are. How many fangs are there? How many fangs does an actual, like, real snake have that that are... Yeah, like two, right? I don't know. Okay, whatever. It was clear as the three of them... Stepped back into the corridor upstairs. That in the minutes they had spent in the room of requirement, the situation within the castle had deteriorated severely. The walls and ceiling were shaking worse than ever. Dust filled the air, and through the nearest window, Harry saw bursts of green and red light so close to the foot of the castle that he knew the Death Eaters must be very near to entering the place. Looking down, Harry saw Grop the Giant meandering past, swinging what looked like a stone gargoyle torn from the roof the roof, the roof, the roof. How do you say that word? I don't know. And roaring with his disple- and roaring his displeasure. Let's hope he steps on some of them, said Ron, as more screams echoed from close by. As long as it's not any of our lot, said a voice. Harry turned and saw Ginny and Tonks, both with their wands drawn, at the next window, which was missing several panes. Even as he watched, Ginny sent a well-aimed jinx into a crowd of fighters below. Good girl, roared a figure, running through the dust toward them, and Harry saw Aberforth again, his gray hair flying as he led a small group of students past. They look like they might be breaching the North Battlements. They've brought giants of their own. Have you seen Remus? Tonks called after him. He was dueling Dolohov," shouted Aberforth. Haven't seen him since. Tonks, said Ginny. Tonks, I'm sure he is okay. But Tonks had run off into the dust after Aberforth. Ginny turned helpless to Harry, Ron, and Hermione. They'll be all right, said Harry, though he knew they were empty words. Ginny, we'll be back in a moment. Just keep out of the way. Keep safe. Come on, he said to Ron and Hermione, and they ran back to the stretch of wall beyond which the room of requirement was waiting to do the bidding of the next entrant. I need the place where everything is hidden. Harry begged of it inside his head, and the door materialized on their third run past. The fur, the furor, furor, <laughs> <know>. the furor, <laughs> <I can't. Furror>. furor, <laughs> the fur, the furor of the battle. <laughs> Die! I'm sorry, this is not funny, but the word furor is, <laughs> fur furor. <laughs> I don't know. Okay, the furor of the battle died the moment they crossed the threshold, and closed the door behind them. All was silent. They were in a place the size of a cathedral with the appearance of a city, its towering walls built of objects hidden by thousands of long-gone students. "'And he never realized anyone could get in?' said Ron, his voice echoing in the silence. "'He thought he was the only one,' said Harry. "'Too bad for him I've had to hide stuff in my time. "'This way,' he added. "'I think it's down here.' He passed the stuffed troll and the vanishing cabinet Draco Malfoy had mended last year with such disastrous consequences, then hesitated, looking up and down aisles of junk. He could not remember where to go next. Why are you looking at the cabinet? Did the other cabinet get destroyed? Like, how are you not afraid of this cabinet still? You should be, right? I don't know. Anyway. Diadem! cried Hermione in desperation, but nothing flew through the air toward them. It seemed that, like the vault at Gringotts, the room would not yield its hidden objects that easily. "'Let's split up,' Harry told the other two. "'Look for a stone bust of an old man wearing a wig and a tiara. It's standing on a cupboard, and it's definitely somewhere near here.' They sped off up adjacent aisles. Harry could hear the other's footsteps echoing through the towering piles of junk, of bottles, hats, crates, chairs, books, weapons, broomsticks, bats.' "'Somewhere near here,' Harry muttered to himself. "'Somewhere, somewhere.' "'Deeper and deeper into the labyrinth he went, "'looking for objects he recognized "'from his one previous trip into the room. "'His breath was loud in his ears, "'and then his very soul seemed to shiver. "'There it was, right ahead, "'the blistered old cupboard "'in which he had hidden his old potions book, "'and on top of it, "'the pockmarked stone warlock, "'wearing a dusty old wig,' And what looked like an ancient discolored tiara. He had already stretched out his hand, though he remained ten feet away, when a voice behind him said, Hold it, Potter. He skidded to a halt and turned around. Crab and Goyle were standing behind him, shoulder to shoulder, wands pointing right at Harry. Through the small space between their jeering faces, he saw Draco Malfoy. That's my wand you're holding, Potter said Malfoy, pointing his own through the gap between Crabbe and Goyle. Not anymore, panted Harry, tightening his grip on the Hawthorn wand. Winner's keepers, Malfoy. Who's lent you theirs? My mother, said Draco. Harry laughed, but there was nothing very humorous about the situation. <laughs> he could not hear Ron or Hermione anymore. They seemed to have run out of earshot, searching for the diadem. "'So, how come you three aren't with Voldemort?' asked Harry. "'We're going to be rewarded,' said Crabb. His voice was surprisingly soft for such an enormous person. Harry had hardly ever heard him speak before. "'Oh, we're going to be rewarded.' <laughs> "'I don't know.' Crabb was smiling like a small child, promised a large bag of sweets. "'We hung back, Potter. We decided not to go. Decided to bring you to him.' Good plan, said Harry, in mock admiration. He could not believe that he was this close and was going to be thwarted by Malfoy, Crab, and Goyle. He began edging slowly backward, toward the place where the horcrux sat lopsided upon the bust. If he could just get his hands on it before the fight broke out. So, how did you get in here, he asked, trying to distract them. I virtually lived in the room of hidden things all last year, said Malfoy, his voice brittle. I know how to get in. We was hiding in the corridor outside," grunted Goyle. "We can do disillusion charms now and then." His face splits into a gormless grin. "You turned up right in front of us and said you was looking for a diadem. What's a diadem?" Harry Ron's voice. "A diadem? A diadem? didum? How am I supposed to diad? Diadem? I don't know." Okay, now he's got me questioning. Harry. Ron's voice echoed suddenly from the other side of the wall to Harry's right. Are you talking to someone? With a whip-like movement, Crabbe pointed his wand at the fifty-foot mountain of old furniture, of broken trunks, of old books, and robes, and unidentified, unidentifiable junk, and shouted, "Descendo!" The wall began to totter. Then the top third crumbled into the aisle next door where Ron stood. Ron, Harry bellowed, as somewhere out of sight Hermione screamed, and Harry heard innumerable objects crashing to the floor on the other side of the destabilized wall. He pointed his wand at the rampart, cried, Finite, and it steadied. No, shouted Malfoy, staying Crabbe's arm as the latter, wait, staying Crabbe's arm, as the latter made to repeat his spell. If you wreck the room, you might bury this diadem thing. "'What's the matter?' said Crabb, tugging himself free. "'It's Potter the Dark Lord wants. Who cares about die-dumb?' "'Potter came in here to get it,' said Malfoy, with an ill-disguised impatience at the slow-wittedness of his colleagues. "'So that must mean—' "'Must mean—' Crab turned on Malfoy with an undisguised ferocity. "'Who cares what you think? I don't take your orders no more, Draco. You and your dad are finished.' "'Harry?' shouted Ron again from the other side of the junk wall. What's going on? Harry, marked Crab, mimicked Crab. What's going on? No, Potter. Crucio. Harry had lunged for the tiara. Crab's curse missed him, but hit the stone bust which flew into the air. The diadem soared upward and then dropped out of sight in the mass of objects on which the bust had rested. Stop! Malfoy shouted at Crab, his voice echoing through the enormous room. The Dark Lord wants him alive! So? I'm not killing him, am I? yelled Crab, throwing off Malfoy's restraining arm. But if I can, I will! The Dark Lord wants him dead anyway! What's the diff. A jet of scarlet light shot past Harry by inches. Hermione had run around the corner behind him and sent a stunning spell straight at Crab's head. It only missed because Malfoy pulled him out of the way. It's that mudblood, Avada Kedavra! Harry saw Hermione dive aside, and his fury that Crab had aimed to kill wiped all else from his mind. He shot a stunning spell at Crab, who lurched out of the way, knocking Malfoy's wand out of his hand. It rolled out of sight beneath a mountain of broken furniture and boxes. Don't kill him! Don't kill him! Malfoy yelled at Crab and Goyle. we were both aiming at Harry. Their split second's hesitation was all Harry needed. Expelliarmus! Goyle's wand flew out of his hand and disappeared into the bulwark of objects beside him. Goyle leapt foolishly on the spot, trying to retrieve it. Malfoy jumped out of range of Hermione's second stunning spell, and Ron, appeared, sud- appearing suddenly at the end of the aisle, shot a full bodybind curse at Crab, which narrowly missed. Crab wheeled around and screamed, Avada Kedavra! Again, Ron leapt out of sight to avoid the jet of green light. The wandless Malfoy cowered behind a three-legged wardrobe as Hermione charged toward him, hitting Goyle with a stunning spell as she came. It's somewhere here, Harry yelled at her, pointing at the pile of junk into which the old tiara had fallen. Look for it, while I go and help r- Harry! She screamed. A roaring, billowing noise behind him gave him a moment's warning. He turned and saw both Ron and Crab running as hard as they could up the aisle toward them, "'Like it hot, scum?' roared Crab as he ran, but he seemed to have no control over what he had done. Flames of abnormal size were pursuing them, licking up the sides of the junk bulwarks, which were crumbling to soot at their torch. "'Aguamenti!' Harry bawled, but the jet of water that soared from the tip of his wand evaporated in the air. "'Run!' Malfoy grabbed the stunned Goyle and dragged him along. Crab outstripped all of them, now looking terrified.' Harry, Ron, and Hermione pelted along in his wake, and the fire pursued them. It was not normal fire. Okay, but even if it was normal fire, how terrifying. Which, I'm, I'm literally terrified because Jared is going to walk into that and rescue people. Oh, okay, it's okay. Someone's gone everywhere. Okay, anyway, it was not normal fire crab had used a curse of which harry had no knowledge as they turned a corner the flames chased them as though they were alive sentient intent upon killing them now the fire was mutating forming a gigantic pack of fiery beasts flaming serpents chimeras ch- chimera i don't know I don't, chimera i don't know how to say the word i'm so sorry in dragons rose and fell and rose again and the detritus 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 the detritus of centuries on which they were feeding was thrown up in the air into their fanged mouths tossed high on clawed feet before being consumed by the inferno malfoy grab (laughs) malfoy grab and coil had vanished from view harry ron and hermione stopped dead the fiery monsters were circling them drawing closer and closer. Claws and horns and, lash- and tails lashed, and the heat was solid as a wall around them. What can we do? Hermione screamed over the deafening roars of fire. What can we do? Here! Harry seized a pair of heavy-looking broomsticks from the nearest pile of junk and threw one to Ron, who pulled Hermione onto it behind him. Harry swung his leg over the second broom and, with hard kicks to the ground, they soared up into the air, missing by feet the horned beak of a flaming raptor that snapped its jaws at them. The smoke and heat were becoming overwhelming. Below them, the cursed fire was consuming the contraband of generations of hunted students, the guilty outcomes of a thousand banned experiments, and the secrets of the countless souls who had sought refuge in this room. In the room. Harry could not see a trace of Malfoy Crab or Goyle anywhere. He swooped as low as he dared over the marauding monsters of flame to try to find them, but there was nothing but fire. What a terrible way to die. He had never wanted this. Harry, let's get out! Let's get out! bellowed Ron, though it was impossible to see where the door was through the black smoke. And then Harry heard a thin, piteous human scream from amidst the terrible commotion the thunder of devouring flame. It's too dangerous, Ron yelled, but Harry wheeled in the air, his glasses giving his eyes some small protection from the smoke. He raked the firestorm below, seeking a sign of life, a limb or a face that was not yet charred like wood, and he saw them. Malfoy with his arms around the unconscious goyle, the pair of them perched on a fragile tower of charred desks, and Harry dived. Malfoy saw him coming and raised one arm, but even as Harry grasped it, he knew at once that it was no good. Goyle was too heavy, and Malfoy's hand, covered in sweat, slid instantly out of Harry's. If we die for them, I'll kill you, Harry, roared Ron's voice, and as a great flaming... Yes. Okay. Um, I don't know how he Oh, boy. He really is impeccable at this point. It's 6.03. How much farther do we have to go? We're pretty close. He's fine. Okay. (laughs) Sorry. Anyway. Um, if we die for them, I'll kill you, Harry, roared Ron's voice. And as a great flaming chimera bore down upon them, he and Hermione dragged Coyle on. (laughs) Why do I keep doing it? Goyle onto their broom and rose rolling and pitching into the air once more as Malfoy clambered up behind Harry. "'The door! Get to the door! The door!' screamed Malfoy in Harry's ear, and Harry sped up, following Ron, Hermione, and Goyle through the billowing black smoke, hardly able to breathe, and all around them the last few objects, unburned by the devouring flames, were flung into the air as the creatures of the cursed fire cast them high in celebration.' "'cups and shields, a sparkling necklace, and an old discolored tiara. "'What are you doing? What are you doing? The door's that way!' screamed Malfoy. "'But Harry made a hairpin swerve and dived. The diadem seemed to fall in slow motion, "'turning and glittering as it dropped toward the maw of a yawning serpent. "'And then he had it caught it around his wrist. "'Harry swerved again as the serpent lunged at him. "'He soared upward and straight toward the place where he prayed the door stood open.' Ron, Hermione, and Goyle had vanished. Malfoy was screaming and holding Harry so tightly it hurt. Then, through the smoke, Harry saw a rectangular patch on the wall and steered the broom at it, and moments later clean air filled his lungs and they collided with the wall in the corridor beyond. Malfoy fell off the broom and lay face down, gasping, coughing, and retching. Harry rolled over and sat up. The door to the room of requirement had vanished. And Ron and Hermione sat panting on the floor beside Goyle, who was still unconscious. Crab! Sh- choked Malfoy as soon as he could speak. Crab! He's dead, said Ron harshly. There was a silence, apart from panting and coughing. Then a number of huge bangs shook the castle, and a great. cov- Cav. Co- what? Is this supposed to be. I don't know what this word is. Covel- cod? Cavalcade! I don't know what this is! of transparent figures galloped past on horses, their heads screaming with bloodlust under their arms. Harry staggered to his feet when the headless hunt had passed and looked around. The battle was still going on around him. He could hear more screams than those of the retreating ghosts. Panic flared within him. Where's Jenny? he said sharply. She was here. She was supposed to be going back into the room of requirement.' Blimmy, do you reckon it'll still work after that fire? Can you... I I feel like I can hear him, but maybe you can hear it too, I don't know. In in the distance. Anyway. Blimmy, do you reckon it'll still work after that fire? Asked Ron. But he too got to his feet, rubbing his chest and looking left and right. Shall we split up and look? No, said Hermione, getting to her feet too. Malfoy and Goyle remained slumped hopelessly on the corridor floor. Neither of them or floor. Neither of them had wands. Let's stick together. I say we go. Harry, what's that on your arm? What? Oh yeah. He pulled the diadem from his wrist and held it up. It was still hot, blackened with soot, but as he looked at it closely, he was just able to make out the tiny words etched upon it. Wit beyond measure is man's greatest treasure. A blood-like substance dark and tarry seemed to be leaking from the diadem suddenly harry felt the thing vibrate violently then break apart in his hands and as it did so he thought he heard the faintest most distant scream of pain echoing not from the grounds or the castle but from the thing that had just fragmented in his fingers it must have been fiendfire whimpered hermione her eyes on the broken pieces sorry fiendfire fiend yes it's gotta be fiend fire. "'Cursed fire. It's one of the substances that destroy horcruxes, but I would never, ever have dared use it. "'It's so dangerous. How did Crab know how to?' must have learned it from the Karos, said Harry grimly. "'Shame he wasn't concentrating when they mentioned how to stop it, really,' said Ron, "'whose hair, like Hermione's, was singed and whose face was blackened. "'If he hadn't tried to kill us all, I'd be quite sorry he was dead.' "'But don't you realize?' whispered Hermione. That means if we can just get the snake. But she broke off as yells and shouts and the unmistakable noises of dueling filled the corridor. Harry looked around, and his heart seemed to fail. Death Eaters had penetrated Hogwarts. Fred and Percy had just backed into view, both of them dueling masked and hooded men. Harry, Ron, and Hermione ran forward to help, Jets of light flew in every direction, and the man dueling Percy backed off fast. Then his hood slipped, and they saw a high forehead and streaked hair. Hello, Minister, bellowed Percy, sending a neat jink straight at Thickness, who dropped his wand and clawed at the front of his robes, apparently in awful discomfort. Did I mention I'm resigning? You're joking, Pierce. Oh, Percy. Why did I say Pierce? I don't know. You're joking, Pierce, shouted Fred as the Death Eater. He was battling, collapsed under the weight of three separate stunning spells. Thickness had fallen to the ground with tiny spikes erupting all over him. He seemed to be turning into some form of sea urchin. Fred looked at Percy with glee. "'You actually are joking, Percy! I don't think I've heard you joke since you were—' The air exploded. They had been grouped together, Harry, Ron, and Hermione, Fred, and Percy, the two Death Eaters at their feet, one stunned, the other transfigured, and in that fragment of a moment, when danger seemed temporarily at bay, the world was rent apart. Harry felt himself flying through the air, and all he could do was hold as tightly as possible to that thin stick of wood that was his one and only weapon, and shield his head in his arms. He heard the screams and yells of his companions without a hope of knowing what had happened to them and then the world resolved itself into pain and semi-darkness. He was half-buried in the wreckage of a corridor that had been subjected to a terrible attack. Cold air told him that the side of the castle had been blown away, and hot stickiness on his cheek told him that he was bleeding copiously. Then he heard a terrible cry that pulled at his insides, that expressed agony of a kind neither flame nor curse could cause, and he stood up, swaying, more frightened than he had been that day, more frightened, perhaps, than he had been in his life. And Hermione was struggling to her feet in the wreckage, and three red-headed men were grouped on the ground where the wall had blasted apart. Harry grabbed Hermione's hand as they staggered and stumbled over stone and wood. No! 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 Someone was shouting, No! Fred! No! And Percy was shaking his brother, and Ron was kneeling beside them, and Fred's eyes stared without seeing, the ghost of his last laugh still etched upon his face. And that's the end of chapter 31. That's a devastator for me. Fred is like, You know what I mean? Hey, Scooty, this is a sad moment. You just come busting in here. I know. time for his dinner. (sighs) Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, I guess that's it. Hmm. Goodbye.